What's that? <laughs> and there's a big ass mic in front there's of me. There's a mic. All right. You comfy there? Yeah. Sweet. All right, dude. What is up, everybody? Uh, today's guest is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've known you for about a year and a half. Yep. About that, yeah. yeah. Uh, her name is Nicole. How do you say your last name? Baranowski. Baranowski. Okay, I was going to attempt that, but I don't want to punch that or anything. Um, you are the founder, correct? Uh, yes. Of Hair Strong Band. Yep. How did that get started? So, um, it actually kind of blossomed with me working out a lot in uh, university and deciding to kind of get really fit. And after I had joined the rowing team, I, uh, I did a year of that and then I decided to join hybrid to kind of aid my training. Yeah. And at hybrid, I would always do CrossFit and all these workouts where it was timed mm -hmm. and my hair would always fall out, <laughs> like jumping jacks, skipping rope, running. Yeah. It was really frustrating because I'm very competitive. So when I have to stop to redo my hair, it was kind mm -hmm. of like, oh, I'm wasting my workout. But mm -hmm. obviously it's not like that, but that's how I was looking at it. Yeah. And then I took this entrepreneurship class in my last year of undergrad. Mm -hmm. And my prof asked us to come up with a problem. And the first thing that came up was my hair. So I'd put my problem on the board like, oh, my hair gets in the way. Yeah. And then a bunch of women in the class resonated with that and were like, oh my God, yeah, me too. Yeah, right. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can do something with this. So um, the project of that class was to make a business pitch. And so I made a whole business plan around this idea of a hair tie that could be tightened and wouldn't fall out of uh, one's hair. Yeah. So it was a complete class project. And on the last day of classes, coincidentally, the head of the Entrepreneurship Center of Propel uh, mm -hmm. at Western came and watched my pitch. And it was Dragon's Den style. So they came, like, we pitched and they asked questions. And after my pitch, um, she wanted me to pursue it further. So I didn't really think much of it. I'm like, okay, yeah, it was a project, and now I'm just going to see where this goes. So I went in for some meetings, and they thought I had, like, a really good idea. Mm -hmm. So I kept doing it and kept working on it. I've had a bunch of prototypes done up. Uh, they were really ugly. <laughs> I had to like work on that. Yeah. But by February, I had registered my business. Okay. Uh, by May, I had sellable prototypes that I could, that actually looked good. Mm -hmm. And then by July of 2019, so this is all this year. Yeah. Um, I finally started selling uh, to online and in like pop-up shops. So, uh, and basically like the belief was, is like women shouldn't be, limited by their hair and think mm -hmm. like oh my hair is the problem mm -hmm. because the products right now are like one size fits all right and everyone's hair is different and so having this product and having it being able to customize to you could be like your own and that's how it should be because you have your own hair and your own kind of style totally. totally yeah yeah for those like i'll put a picture up as well when i when we post it it's sure. uh it's like a hair scrunchie right yeah okay can you describe like what sets this one apart so the reason why this one's different is because there's a mechanism in place put to lock it in place okay. so instead of relying on the pure elastic retention of a regular hair tie yeah. this one you pull it through and then you lock it and that that diameter locks for the whole workout and then when you want to take it out you just simply press the lock uh, button again yeah. and then it loosens up and it doesn't pull any hair out when you take it out so it also keeps your hair up but it also prevents it from more damaging from when you take it cool. out so how'd you develop the design how did you get into that um so 
my boyfriend is an engineer and he also really liked to camp a lot so i got into camping yeah and because i got into camping i like wanted to learn everything about camping so when we went he was doing a bunch of knots and these knots were really cool because one it's like one can stay in place one moves around yeah so when uh, i asked him to kind of help me design it and at first we designed something that like we had a knot that could move so instead of having a complete different like piece it was just elastic but it was just um put in differently yeah so that was just the ugly one but it worked so we knew like the concept worked and then after i kept looking online of uh like locks Mm -hmm. so i was looking at different uh products out there now like rain jackets rain jackets have the clips where you can cinch the bottom and like it stays in so i kind of use that mechanism into the scrunchie so you pinch the lock it scrunches in and then when you want to loosen it you pinch it again and it comes out right so how much business uh education and experience did you have before starting any of this um i'd say on a scale of one to ten probably a two a two um i took two courses in university that western offered for Mm -hmm. business but it wasn't specifically tailored to my business it was just business knowledge like some terms that i was Mm -hmm. familiar with Mm -hmm. um some real life scenarios and just that that's not what gave me the confidence to actually start the business Mm -hmm. what gave me the confidence was um the court the last entrepreneurship course that i took with my prof the one that that asked me to come up with the problem and then the Propel Center at Western, which is like entrepreneurship based, mm-hmm. that helped me along and basically taught me what to do and what not to do. And then the rest, it was just like learn as you go. Nice. How many like of your colleagues in that class, did they go on to do something similar to, to um, starting their own products? So they, <laughs> all, they all came up with a problem mm-hmm. and I think only one or two other people actually went on and pursued it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of them were service-based, so it's really hard to start right, uh, right, right. those. But uh, mine was one of the only ones that was product-based. Yeah. So it was super easy to start, and was, why not? Why not, right? <laughs> yeah. And how has it been since launch? Like, any any challenges? Has it been what you expected? or? Uh, so it's very different from what I expected because I thought that as a first-time startup, like just coming out of university, it wouldn't be as popular mm-hmm. with my friends as it was uh made me realize that i have a, a lot a lot of people supporting me yeah and it's really nice to know that because um they give a lot and so like i plan to like help them out as well for mm-hmm. helping me mm-hmm. so it's just really nice to know that there's like a group that supports me um another thing that this business has shown me is that it's actually really hard to do social media <laughs> when it's not your own personal account yeah yeah <laughs> Because it matters what you say, totally. and um, any like even a hashtag dif- difference can make um, it have like more likes or not. Yeah, yeah. So that's just kind of like, oh, I, I'm not really used to that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, another challenge would be like trying to get the word out and actually prove the concept because mm-hmm. it's very different from what's on the market right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's mainly like word of mouth sales and I'm going up to people saying, hey, this is what you need mm-hmm. more than, oh, if you see it online, okay, yeah, I want that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not there yet. So it's kind of hard to like rely on, oh, the product should speak for itself. Yeah. Um, I do have to put in a lot of work to try and get people to believe in the product. Mm-hmm. How important is is community in getting a project like this off off the ground? So important. Um, I know that with Propel and just like the people in there, they want to help you. They mm-hmm. it, they don't 
benefit from it 100%. Like, yes, it's their job, and yes, it's what they're paid to do, but they genuinely care to help you. Um, the rowing community for me, because I'm on, like, the rowing team, mm-hmm. everyone has been super supportive. Like, all my friends on the team bought it. Uh, my coach actually helped me get in contact or try to get in contact with Bianca Andrescu. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Um, to try and send her some nice. because I originally tried to email the manager myself. I got nothing in return. My coach had emailed them and they had actually emailed him back. Yeah. So I was able to send a care package to her two nice. days ago. Nice. Uh, so hopefully she really likes it and gets it. Yeah. Um, and that it helps her because when I saw her playing tennis, it was like she was fixing her like almost all the time. It's like she could use one of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, Talking a little bit about your rowing background, because that was your primary sport in university, right? Yes. Varsity rowing. Yeah. Um, how did that start? Like, is this something that starts off early on, or is this something that kind of came on later on in life? How'd you get your start with rowing? Right. So early on, I played team sports with, like, ball sports. So basketball, soccer, rugby, volleyball. I played all those in high school. Stopped um, for uh, first year. So mm-hmm. I played no sports in first year. Freshman 15 came. <laughs> Um, and it then it's hard. It hits yeah, it, it really does. <laughs> a couple weeks, you're like, okay, all right, all right. Um, and then I just told myself one day, like, okay, like I want to get fit. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, one sec, my phone's going off. Oh, dare you? Just in case I, I slept in. The uh, life of an entrepreneur here, yeah. apparently. Okay, so um, I decided to myself I wanted to get fit, and I was really, really worried about the early mornings. Mm-hmm. I told myself to get over it, and decided to try out for this sport. I actually almost didn't make the novice team, which is a team that you don't have to have any rowing experience whatsoever. You just come in and they test fitness. Is this here in at Western? Yes, at Western. Okay. Um, and I almost didn't make it because I had a really bad beep test score. Okay. Like I was really, really unfit. Okay. Um, but I had a really good strength score. Mm-hmm. So they use that as like, okay, you have potential come mm-hmm. in. I'm also very short. So five, seven, five, eight, and a bunch of the girls are six. At least. So I had a big disadvantage there as well. So rowers would be generally taller. Yeah. Right. Um, so I came <clears> in, <throat> did the novice year, mm-hmm. um, and then st- decided to stay to train for varsity. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of uh, retention comes from the novice because okay. you have to train every day. It's, I literally went from staying up late at night, uh, partying on my laptop, to in bed by 9, up at 4.30, yep. working out taking a few naps a day to get through it and then like just using that it was a very big lifestyle change for Mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. and so I decided to stick with it because my goal was to get fit and lose like my freshman 15 so I stuck with it and you put in about 15 to 20 hours a week of aerobic slash anaerobic slash strength training so it's a lot to do with a course load yeah so by the time I had one year under my belt, I was like on the line of making the varsity team. Like I had brought down my 2K ergometer score by 50 seconds. Um, I had proved that I was like committed to the team and everything. And mm-hmm. so I was just like on that line because there were a lot of other girls who come in from high school who are third and fourth year who had so much more experience than me. Mm-hmm. So it was just really nice. Like after that one year to just kind of train with all of them and have them motivate me to stay on as well. Right. Um, although there are opportunities in the sport to train alone and to race alone it's very hard to stick with that training if you don't have like a coach to keep you accountable right or friends to be like hey get your things in 
It's very intense. It's a lot of volume. Yeah, and it's just mentally exhausting. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, you will not have fun in the sport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just how I kind of got into it in my second year of university. I didn't row before. I've only been rowing for like three years now. Yeah. Um, there are people that start in high school, but uh, the national team right now is consisted of people in their late 20s. So that's kind of when your physiology peaks in that's terms kind of, of strength yeah. and muscle mass and stuff. So um, I think that's a huge advantage for the sport. So I think that's where like most of the athletes are in the age range mm-hmm. for this. On average, like... Is this a typical story of kind of starting in university and making it to varsity, or are a lot of these uh, athletes coming in from a base, like from high school time? Right. You know uh, yeah, I do. So some of them, well, most of our team right now is consisted of people who started in university. Okay. But most of them would have started in first year. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. technically, I was a year behind, so I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, a lot of kids who start from high school, they have the skills, they have the, the baseline fitness capable of like achieving the varsity level mm-hmm. coming in. But a lot of um, athletes, they still need to train super hard at the university level to uh, get better or even to maintain their fitness level. Right, right. Um, I remember, like, hearing on one of your podcasts with Tommy before, like, when you start something new, there's that 80% where, like, you get um, super motivated and super, like, it's easy to get that yeah. first 80%. And then that's not, it's like that last 20. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to get. Mm-hmm. Um for a lot of people, when they reach that last 20, it gets mentally exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so having a good team to p- kind of push you through and push you through those limits is really, really nice to have. Mm-hmm. What uh, what nutrition changes did you, did you take, if any, when starting training? Because I know that, you know, just through talking to you, you kind of tell me, like, this is what I got to do today in terms of training. Right. It's like this and this and this. And you're like, I think that is a lot of calorie output. Right. Yeah. So like? when I first started with my, my novice here, my first winter of training, I really committed to losing that freshman 15. Mm-hmm. So I cut out junk food, just cold turkey, cut it out. I don't know how I mentally was able to just <laughs> say no to everything, but it, it just happened. So for three months, I lost like 20 pounds. Wow. Didn't have pizza, didn't have chips, didn't have any of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I, I really don't. And then after I like celebrated with like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have a celebratory pizza because I didn't have for so long. And then I just like kind of made changes where I wouldn't snack as much or I'd have oatmeal for breakfast um, instead of cereal. Mm-hmm. Uh, for dinner, I would have more protein. So I'd put make an effort to put more chicken in mm-hmm. instead of just pasta. And um, so right now, like you want to, well, I want to um, structure my carbs around my workout. Mm-hmm. So I'd have, let's say I work at 5 a.m. I'd have carbs before the morning workout. And my stomach doesn't really get sick, so I don't really have to worry about the timing as much. Right. So I have oatmeal, and then right after I'd have protein and carbs. So I'd have chocolate milk or cottage cheese with fruit. And then I'd have lunch. Um, but that's usually just a sandwich just because it's super easy to make. Um, and then at dinner, I would try and get more protein in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I have slipped off this. Like, I'm not very disciplined. Well, I don't, I don't know if discipline's the right word, but... I'm not very on it when in terms of nutrition every single day mm-hmm. and I try my best but mm-hmm. it's very very hard on a student budget and with courses and with work yeah. to be like okay this is what I'm going to make every day this is what I'm going to have every day yeah. but recently I've started meal prepping on Sundays nice. um, I used to hate meal prep because it just took so long so to overcome that me and my friend actually do it yeah. so if, instead of both of us on Sunday just laying down and watching Netflix 
we'll keep each other accountable by making our food for the week. Beautiful. So that's been super helpful for the past few weeks. Um, and I have no problem eating healthy food. It's just getting myself to make it. Yeah. Uh, it's just a lot with like the training load and the mm-hmm. school load and mm-hmm. all that. Is there a weight uh, a weight category for rowing? Yes. Yeah. So for men and women, there's two types of like uh, weight classes. Mm-hmm. So there's lightweight and heavyweight. For women, uh, it's varied at the university level, international level, mm-hmm. but it's uh, around 130 pounds that is the cutoff for lightweight and heavyweight. And okay. for men, it's 160. Okay. So for me, I'm definitely heavy. Um, because I'd have to lose at least 40 pounds to become lightweight and half of that being lean muscle mass. Mm-hmm. So do you see people cutting weight to make weight? Oh yes. Yeah? Yes. All the time. Um, some people would call them crazy <laughs> like I do. Uh-huh. Um, some of their methods of, so most of the athletes they're on the line. Like you can't, you have a very big advantage if you're right on the line instead right. of 10 pounds under, because you still have that 10 pounds of muscle that could mm-hmm. help you against someone else. Mm. So a week before, a day before, they'll cut, they'll cut, they'll sweat out. Water cut. Yeah, wa- basically. Um, have certain foods that are very, like, not dense and yeah. high in calories but not in volume. Right. Kind right, of. Right. So um, just seeing them go through that, it's like, wow, I'm really happy that I'm at this weight. But, again, they choose to do that. Mm-hmm. So at, at the end of the day, I think they think it's worth it. And mm-hmm. um, it, it helps them, like, be involved in the sport. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see them, yeah. like, committed. Is it a same day weigh-in or day before? Uh, same day. Same day. Yeah. So um, if we have a two-day regatta yep. where we race for like Saturday, Sunday, you have to weigh in Saturday and Sunday. You're not allowed to weigh in more than two hours before your race. So, not allowed to weigh in before two hours. Okay, I see. So you have to like not eat. So let's say you race at 10. You could weigh in at 8. Most of them don't eat until 8.10 after they weigh in. Right. And then do you have to maintain that weight during the regatta too, or is it well, just... Well, if they if you weigh in each day, so let's say the Saturday, you just have that... If it's just a one-day regatta, you just weigh in that Saturday, yeah. you can eat whatever you want after because right. you don't okay, have to weigh okay. in again the next day. But if you race the next day, you also have to watch out what you eat that day. Right. Because you race against the next day and you have to weigh in the ne- again mm. the next day. So probably it sounds like if you go through this multiple times, how many times would you race in a year, like in a season? Like how many times would be, would you be doing something like this? Um, so honestly, like our coaches are really good in having athletes be at that weight early on in the season and just having to cut maybe one or two pounds Mm -hmm. instead of 10 Mm -hmm. the day before. Yeah. Um, because we have about five regattas that you have to weigh in at Yeah. and they're all at different times of the season. So there was one this past weekend, there's one, in October, uh, sorry, th- three in October, and then another one in November. Yeah. So you kind of have to be at weight for all of that, and it's really harmful for your body and for your uh, performance if you lose a lot of weight in a quick time. Totally, totally. So they usually stay near their weight mm-hmm. um, during the season, and then in the winter, it's, like, more lenient. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's just what I know. Like, I don't go through this process, so it's mm-hmm. just of what I observe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you still rowing? I am. So yeah. I decided I graduated in June, but I decided to take a few courses uh, in uh, at Western just yep. to kind of row still and yeah, get uh, some courses like Photoshop to help with my business. Nice. And yep. um, until I start my master's in January and then I'd still be in school and then I'd probably still stick with rowing. Nice. Yeah. What's the what's kind of your 
your goal with rowing and with with hair strong so my goal with hair strong as of right now is to help me pay for school yep and then after that like the big big goal is to have this product for all female athletes whether you're an olympian or whether you're just a weekend warrior Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be limited by your hair and i feel like every woman should be proud of their hair and if they want to get a workout in their hair shouldn't be stopping them right so just kind of having it all around the world like everyone wants their own customizable product for their own hair Mm -hmm. i know it's kind of like a big like stretch from where i am now but that's just what all my actions are working towards Mm -hmm. is that final goal um with rowing i would like to make an international team maybe not the olympic team but something that's like a lower level or just get to a level where I could compete internationally with while representing Canada. Nice. That would be pretty sweet. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm kind of working towards. So what's the process to getting somewhere like that? It, would it be to um, <coughs> join a club team, club rowing team, or kind of stay with Western? or? Yeah, so um, because university is really big in rowing, that's where like most people start. Okay. Uh, they really support you on your way to achieving um, – national and international mm-hmm. goals mm-hmm. recently they've come up with a program where you are part of it's called a hub and you get monitored and you get steps on how to improve and potentially make the senior national team mm-hmm. um, before that it was very different I'm not exactly sure of the details but um, it wasn't as monitored as it is now and there are a lot of coaches that support uh, athletes to getting to that level and so twice a year there's these there's two events called regattas uh, mm-hmm. where you race at one in June and one in well now it's in two weeks. The one in two weeks you go and race against every single uh, rower in Canada so that wants to come out so even the national team races at it mm-hmm. and you get ranked um, and carding so money is based off of these rankings and then in June is basically the tryouts for a development team or the national team so in June that regatta is also very important for some people to do well at mm-hmm. and there you could like that's the one where you can make the national team as well so are these individual or team scores so uh, you're only allowed two boat classes for um men and women yeah and uh one boat class for the lightweight uh, men and women mm-hmm. so for the heavyweights you're allowed to either go in a single which is with two oars sculling yep or a pair which is two people one oar sweeping style and then for the lightweight men and women it's just singles so they're by themselves like sculling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's the boat uh sculling boats are the ones that they compete the most in right right, right. and then for heavyweights it's mostly sweeping and sculling what do you do so i sweep i competed sculling before but i really like sweeping better yeah i think it's uh more comfortable to race with other people for yeah me. I did I did some dragon boating yeah. uh, a couple <laughs> years ago and like it was it was cool because well first of all I was brutal when I started right. because I, have you ever dragon boated? Yes. <laughs> so it's like it's a lot of like this right? right it's a lot of core and lat but yeah. I was like arming and I was just like biceping yeah. <laughs> but it was cool because like you get into this boat with a bunch of people and then you like hit the stride and you're just like right. dish, 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 and it gets like primal you're there it's mm-hmm. like your friends just ksh, ksh, give me 10 hard go just water everywhere and then like you finish and everyone's like look around like yeah yeah we did this it's like it's i like it it's it's a great experience how how similar is it being in a boat to like being (laughs) on a skier like how does that transfer obviously a skier is going to be challenging Mm -hmm. but what are the differences between kind of your skier and being the boat 
So a skier or the rower? Sorry. Rower. Yes. Why okay. am I thinking skier? Okay. <laughs> I hit the skier pretty savage last week. So uh, okay, that's okay. Rower. Um, so fitness-wise, um, mm-hmm. there's... Um, what's that word? The literature yep. that says that doing a similar exercise or training to your sport is what gives you the most uh, effects. Mm-hmm. So going on the rower is good for technique wise in the winter and fitness wise. So you get, you work most of the muscles in your body and it translates to rowing because it's the same movement. It's the same muscles being used, almost the same muscles being used and you just kind of get fitter. Yeah. Um, so translation wise, it's kind of there. The biggest difference between the machine indoors and outside is on water technique because on the machine, you can hammer it down as hard as you want. Like and coming s- back. Like the in terms of power output. Yeah. Or it doesn't matter what your technique is, even on the erg. If you like have a lot of power output, you're going to get a good number on it. Right. And you can get a good 2K score by just hammering it out. On the water, you can't do that because there's a subtle line between like balancing the boat, mm. technique, power, putting the power at the right time to getting the boat actually moving and not stopping every stroke. Right. So that's just the main difference from like getting someone like, let's say a CrossFitter from the erg and getting them into a boat. They probably wouldn't move it as fast as they would on the erg or the rower because they don't have that technique or that sense of when and where should you push slash put the blade in or stuff like that. Even though their output on the erg shows that they're, they're moving, right? Right. Yeah. Even someone with, let's say, a woman with like a seven-minute uh, 2K score could lose on the water against someone who had like a 717 or 715 if they have better technique and better right. boat feel. What's a seven-minute? What is that 500 split? Uh, 145. 145? Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's moving. Yeah. Um, there's this one girl on the national team who has a 626 2K score. Like, that's that's unreal. <laughs> so how long would that take? How long would the average kind of 2K be? Um, hers like a six twenty six. So, th- so you're it. maintaining that the whole time. Well, she'd finish in six minutes and twenty six seconds. That's right. what I mean by that. Oh, so right, she'd right, have right. like a one thirty something. Oh my god! Split. So fast. Yeah. I think the fastest I've done like a five hundred is probably around that time. Yeah. And I was gassed. <laughs> I also don't have the the best technique. Right. So break the technique down. What's what's the technique in a? So there's three different parts of the technique. There's the uh, catch, drive, and the finish. Okay. So the finish is when you're lean back all the way and the handles are out. Yep. Um, oh, and the recovery. So when you go back up. So a l- what a lot of people do or get messed up with is that they open their back during the drive or they don't swing over during the recovery. And so you're basically wasting energy and not using the muscles that you should be to get a better score on it. So when you open your back during the drive, so you like drive with your back first instead of your legs, mm-hmm. you don't use your legs muscles as much and you get more tired and then you can't maintain that split. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't swing over, so you keep your back open and then you put your arms over out and go to the catch, uh-huh. you are wasting energy, um, just like not properly recovering before yep. the next stroke. So the technique plays a big factor into Um, your split and your fatigue levels but on the water it plays a big factor into boat feel because if someone is doing let's say all the right technique movements but someone else is throwing it off by opening their back you don't make the boat go as fast as it could i see okay 
So what is a proper technique? You start off. So you start off at the, let's start off at the catch. So okay. you're up at the screen. Your arms are straight out. Yep. Your legs are bent. Yep. You start the drive by straightening out your legs. So like a leg press, your hips are still hinged forward. Your arms are still straight hanging. As soon as your legs are all the way down, you then you swing your back and then you bring the uh, handle in towards your body. Okay. And then to go back towards the catch, you do the opposite. So your arms swing out straight first, then you hinge over, and then you bend your legs. It looks like on the way in, and correct me if I'm wrong, it yeah. almost looks like you're kind of just like gliding back. Right. Like you're not pulling yeah. yourself forward. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like that on the water, and then it's just very hard to feel that on the machine. Right. Because like you pull yourself forward. Um, on the water, if you like pull yourself forward too much or push yourself off too much, it'll just make the boat do things you, you don't want to do. Boat kind yeah, of kicking, right? yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I didn't know very much about about rowing until you know talking to yourself, Sarah. Yeah, and you know, like it's easy to kind of like get out there and just grip and start going, right? And then like you wonder this this perceived effort is so high, but you look at you know the person next to you who knows what they're doing, and it looks like they're just. Just yeah, they're just gliding, and you look at their yeah. split, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> how is it that low? That's insane. So, well, fitness definitely plays a part into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Sarah is an unreal athlete, even though she's a retired rower. Mm-hmm. Um, I still could not beat her on some of the workouts, even though I could probably beat her on on others. Like some of them, I'm, she's just a natural a machine, athlete. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and her her. I guess her kind of like mental strength as well as something that kind of catapults her to that next level. Yeah. um, It was really nice having her at hybrid as well because for workouts, like we were both super competitive. Mm -hmm. So we both pushed each other to like go as fast as we can, go as hard as we can, lift as heavy as we can. And it was just really nice to have someone in a similar mindset as Mm -hmm. you to do a workout with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's important. Yes. Especially when you're doing something like rowing where it's very easy (laughs) to kind of let go. Yes get comfortable right you look next to you and there's someone pushing you that's yeah. invaluable yeah yeah man um any just to kind of wrap this up sure any advice to aspiring entrepreneurs someone's got an idea and they're hesitating or something's happening what's your advice well something that i was always scared about is if i had an idea someone else would go and steal it that's not true um what I was told is like, go and tell as many people as you want because you never know who can help you and what that'll do for you. Um, always talk about what you're doing. Don't be afraid to kind of just go for it. I know it's hard when you have like other commitments, like let's say family to take care of or uh, mortgage payments to make. And so right now I'm at a position where all I have is student loan debt. I don't have a family yet, so I don't have that to worry about, but it's still very stressful. And I'd say if you have a good idea and you have something that you really believe in, don't worry about the money. I mean, obviously, don't go spending like an absurd amount on things that you might not benefit you or you might not need. But just take a chance on it. And most likely than not, you'll succeed just by trying. Um, A lot of startups fail for like some reasons. And one of them is like they either run out of money or they don't prioritize properly so like there's so many things to do right and you can Mm -hmm. only do so much and Mm -hmm. so if you prioritize right like you'll be on the right track kind of thing um but i would just say like just try stay organized and like don't worry about being in debt that much because you can always just pay it off if you like obviously to an extent i'm saying like don't like spend Mm -hmm. like a million dollars but um yeah like don't worry about 
the money thing and don't worry about people stealing your idea because mm-hmm. more more likely are not people are here to help you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. want to see you succeed totally uh where do people go to get some of these wicked awesome hair bands so i have a website okay. um hairstrong.ca um i also have an instagram account and usually some people will dm me on that and i do meetups in london mm-hmm. um and i do some pop-up shops around london so i was at libro bank center in downtown the other week um, I was at Western the other week. Hopefully, I'll be at their Christmas market and like some other markets around London. So the Western Fair Market as well. But that's not like a hundred percent yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, if you visit that, um, I, I've seen. You know, you work hard. Like I remember last year, yeah. <laughs> it was an idea, it was a concept, mm-hmm. and now it's real. It's a product, and you're working very hard. So. Congratulations on us here's cyber high five. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> and uh and all the best moving forward. Thank you Thanks so much. Lot. Peace. Yeah.